Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Welcome everybody once again to another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I hope that everybody had an incredible weekend of nothing but football and home run chases. It's so incredible to be a sports fan right now as we are broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key out of Newton, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, Backwoods Barbecue, and Planet Fitness. Now available on iHeartRadio. This is episode 468 on this September 26th, 2022. And before I get my co-host Corey Bank on the show, we have a jam-packed show with college football, NFL. I'm going to reveal my high school top 10 for East Alabama and West Georgia. And we have a pennant chase. We got a home run chase. Oh, it's just an incredible show. We also have some coaching changes in the college realm. So we are going to start out with college football as the new rankings came out. And surprisingly, Georgia is still ranked number one after getting a very close win over Kent State, 39-22. to The turnovers, the miscues in that first half. I admit, I was starting to get a little nervous. When Kent State was moving the football and they cut it to 12 to 10, but Georgia was able to get some key drives and they put the game away and they win. It wasn't pretty, but they won 39 to 22. Look, a win is a win. And I think that the voters understood that by keeping the Georgia Bulldogs number one in the AP poll. Meanwhile, the Alabama Crimson Tide, who's the number two team in the AP poll, rolled over Vandy. And uh, it was not even close. 55-3 to as I actually thought that Vandy did a good job moving the football on that drive that led to a field goal. I would have liked to have seen Mike Wright in the game. But Alabama gets the win. And uh, they're taking on the Arkansas Razorbacks in the CBS 330 game next week. But looking at some of these scores in college football, you got Auburn... That defeated the Missouri Tigers 17-14. And Brian Harson. there was a report out that Brian Harson would have gotten fired if Auburn would have lost to Missouri. Well, the Missouri kicker missed a chip shot field goal at the end of regulation that would have won the game for the Missouri Tigers. And then in overtime, after Auburn kicked a field goal, the Missouri running back's about to run it in. He fumbles the ball right before the ball had a chance to cross the plane. Auburn recovers it and the Auburn Tigers win the game they are three and one Brian Harson lives to see another day but I'm telling you 
the problems that Auburn has on offense are still there. And this is not a very good football team. Next week, they take on LSU. And they're going to be in for a rude awakening because LSU is a very talented ball club. Oh, but we just had such great games in college football. Clemson getting a double overtime win over Wake Forest. And I think DJ Uyongale just might be their quarterback instead of Cade Klubnik. He does just enough to win the game. He was able to get that touchdown pass to Davis Allen to put Clemson ahead in double overtime. Michigan got a close win against Maryland. But I'm telling you, in college football, the biggest surprises, I got to say, it has to be Kansas, who's 4-0. Then you have Syracuse, who's 4-0. Florida State is 4-0. They're ranked. And Washington, they're ranked all the way up to number 15. They're 4-0. Oh, and Minnesota's 4-0. You got a lot of parity in college football right now. But one game that I actually was glued to the couch and I watched this from start to finish, the Tennessee Volunteers and the Florida Gators, it was dangerous to favor Tennessee by double digits going into this game. But can we give Hendon Hooker some love and that he might be a candidate for the Heisman Trophy? Hendon Hooker looked amazing. He absolutely looked amazing. Tennessee did have a big lead, 38-21. to And then all of a sudden, it got a little... The Florida Gators, when they got that touchdown to cut the lead to 38-33, to and then when they recovered that onside kick, it got very interesting, and Tennessee fans were just nervous on pins and needles, and I was nervous with them. I was happy that Tennessee won. It looks like Tennessee is for real. It looks like that Josh Heupel is the guy to lead the Volunteers, and Hendon Hooker is a very good quarterback. Now, how does Tennessee do against LSU at Death Valley? Or when Alabama comes in a couple of weeks to Rocky Top? I think that Tennessee would be back if they knock off either Alabama or Georgia, which they are capable of doing. I don't I honestly I honestly believe that. I believe that Tennessee is capable of knocking off Alabama or Georgia. Are they back from the times of Philip Fulmer in the early two thousands? Well, I know Tennessee fans hope so, but this is going to be a big win for the program. They only beat Florida for the second time since 2004. Remember, they haven't beaten Florida since 2016. How about that crazy game that Texas A&M beats Arkansas after the field goal attempt bounces off the top of the upright? What are the odds of that? And it doesn't count. The field goal, no good. Doesn't count. Was a great game. That was one of the wildest missed field goals I have ever seen. Cam Little, he would have kicked the go-ahead 42-yard field goal, but it bounced off the top of the upright. Wow. Texas A&M wins the game. And Texas A&M survives. And I believe Texas A&M has got their quarterback. Max Johnson, he is the guy now. The Aggies are going to ride and die with Max Johnson. Oh, you know, there were so many college football games. I could go through all of them, but we only have an hour show. But I almost had a 
game that I almost called. I called the upset. Oregon State was going to beat USC. USC barely survived that one. And uh, my local team when I was uh, living up in the Sacramento area in California, Sacramento State, 3-0 after beating Colorado State. Let's go around some of the local teams here in Georgia and what they have done in college football. Of course, I didn't cover the Thursday night games because I had my high school football show, but Georgia State did lose to Coastal Carolina at Center Park Stadium on Thursday night, 41-24. to You had Central Florida beat Georgia Tech 27-10, and yesterday Georgia Tech fired Jeff Collins. That was the right decision because Jeff Collins did not deliver. I was rooting for him, but that is a hard job to be the head coach at Georgia Tech when you're not getting four and five star recruits. You got a recruiting battle in the state of Georgia with the University of Georgia and all the other schools in the SEC that poach all those kids from Georgia. Georgia Tech was at its best when they had Paul Johnson run the triple option. It's hard to prepare for, and Georgia Tech was able to rattle off a ton of wins under Paul Johnson. In fact, two seasons, they won 11 games. In 2009, when they lost in the Orange Bowl to Iowa, I remember Josh Nesbitt was the quarterback, and they just looked dominant that year. They actually had one loss going into that Georgia game, and they were ranked, and Georgia was unranked. And Joe Cox and the Georgia Bulldogs were able to beat the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets in 2009. And they went on to lose in the Orange Bowl. And then let's go to 2014. They were able to beat Mississippi State in the Orange Bowl. Paul Johnson led the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets to a final ranking of 8. And they went 11-3 beating Mississippi State in the Orange Bowl. And then he retired in 2018. And Jeff Collins did not pan out as the Georgia Tech head coach. 3-9, and 3-7, 3-9, and 1-3, and he is gone. The coaching search will start. I know if you're a Georgia Tech fan, I know that there's a lot of buzz I saw on Twitter about Prime coming to Georgia Tech, Deion Sanders. It's not happening. I think the ideal choice for the new head coach for Georgia Tech is Brian Bohannon. Brian Bohannon is the current head coach at Kennesaw State University. He was an assistant under head coach Paul Johnson. Let me tell you what Brian Bohannon has done at Kennesaw State. He took over as the Kennesaw State head coach when they built up their program in 2015. He went 6-5, and 8-3, and 12-2, lost in the NCAA Division I quarterfinal, 12-2 in 2018, lost in the quarterfinal, 2019 went 11-3, lost in the second round. 2020 was the COVID year. We don't really count that one. He went 4-1. 2021, 11-2, lost in the second round. Coach Brian Bohannon also leads the triple option. He played wide receiver at Georgia. His coaching resume, he's coached at Georgia Southern. He's coached under Paul Johnson at Navy from 2002 to 2007. And then at Georgia Tech, he was the quarterback's coach from 2008 to 2012. He would be a great fit for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, I think. But I think they're talking about Todd Monken from the University of Georgia. And then they're throwing Deion Sanders out there. But they'll get their guy. 
They're going to do a long search. And the expectations at Georgia Tech, I'm going to be real with you for a second. It's eight wins and a bowl appearance. That is the expectations at Georgia Tech. Oh, man, looking around at these other scores, I could not believe Middle Tennessee State beat Miami 45-31. to A lot of miscues in that one. Completely shocked. The Sun Belt is the fun belt. James Madison shocks Appalachian State. Notre Dame gets a big win over North Carolina, 45-32. to And Marcus Freeman has picked up his second straight win. Probably the biggest shocker in college football was Kansas State beating Oklahoma. And Oklahoma drops all the way to number 18. Georgia Southern beats Ball State 34-23 at home. And they're back on track. 3-1 record. And Mercer gets a big win on the road over Gardner-Webb. 45-14. And Kennesaw State holds on to beat Wofford 24-22. So head coach Brian Bohannon gets the close win, and I'm just shocked that his name is not being thrown around as the potential head coach at Georgia Tech. Let's talk some local college football as LaGrange College loses to Methodist 38-28. to And LaGrange College is now 1-2 and on the season. Shedrick Lindsey passed for 226 yards. And he had three touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions. Ajani Williams led all receivers with six receptions and 92 yards. And LaGrange College will be on the road next week against region foe North Carolina Wesleyan. Their next home game is Saturday, October the 8th against Maryville of Tennessee. Well, Point University, they're trying to pick up their first victory of the season and they fall short to Birmingham Southern on the road, 34-14. to They will host St. Andrews this Saturday afternoon, kickoff at noon at Ram Stadium in Valley, Alabama. A big shout-out to Point University as the photographer for Point University, Matt Austin, has been a guest on this show. And I was just at their football stadium this past Friday night for the high school football game between Russell County and Valley. All right, the NFL. We had a lot of big games, and the Atlanta Falcons do get the victory over the Seattle Seahawks, 27-23. I can't remember the last time that the Atlanta Falcons running back has rushed for over 100 yards. It's Cordell Patterson. Rushes for over 140 yards as the Falcons got the back-and-forth victory over the Seahawks in When Geno Smith got the ball after the turnover by Marcus Mariota, I thought that the Seahawks were going to win that game. They had that crowd behind them. Geno Smith was driving down the field, and Grady Jarrett gets a big sack, and they try to convert a fourth down, and Richie Grant with the interception, and that's all she wrote. The Atlanta Falcons pick up their first victory of the season on the road, and they will host the Cleveland Browns next week at the Benz to try to push their record to 2-2. Two and two. Well, this division, you had Tampa Bay lose. You had New Orleans lose to Carolina. They picked up their first victory. Atlanta is 1-2 and two, along with New Orleans and Carolina, and Tampa Bay is 2-1. and one. So it's really anybody's division, but this has really been a crazy week of football. 
You saw the Jacksonville Jaguars get a big win over the Los Angeles Chargers. That was probably the most shocking win that I saw all day yesterday. It was just completely shocking. The Jacksonville Jaguars just looked like an incredible team. You look at what they did. Trevor Lawrence looked flawless. He went 28 for 39, 262 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. This clearly was the best game in Trevor Lawrence's career. James Robinson, he got the run game going, 17 rushes for 100 yards. And Travis Entienne picked up 45 yards. I have him on my fantasy team. I'm actually doing pretty good on my fantasy team. It looks like I might win this week. Jacksonville's 2-1. and one. They are in first place, but right behind them are those pesky Indianapolis Colts. And Matt Ryan leads the comeback for the Colts against the Kansas City Chiefs. They were down 17-13. to And Matt Ryan passed to Jelani Woods for a 12-yard touchdown with 29 seconds left to go. I never can trust the defense anytime Patrick Mahomes has got the ball with 29 seconds. But the Chiefs fall short. And the Indianapolis Colts pick up their first victory of the season. They are 1-1-1 in Kansas City falls to two and one the big surprise was the miami dolphins they're now three and oh beating the buffalo bills 21 to 19 i know that buffalo was without a couple of starters but still miami looks like a very good team it looks like they'll be a playoff team as they will host the cincinnati Bengals on a thursday night Um, i'm interested to see that matchup tua versus joe burrow Cincinnati got the win over the New York Jets, 27-12. to You got Minnesota beating the Detroit Lions, coming back from that one. Baltimore drops the New England Patriots to 1-2. They got a very impressive win on the road against the Patriots. Mac Jones got a little banged up. But now New England is 1-2, and, and they're about to play Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And they could possibly go to 1-3. That is unheard of from a Bill Belichick-coached team. And what is going on with the Las Vegas Raiders? They fall to the Tennessee Titans 24-22. I thought that with Josh McDaniels as the new head coach and Devontae Adams is now Derek Carr's new favorite weapon, and they got Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs. They got a very good offensive line. I did not expect the Las Vegas Raiders to be 0-3. Of course, the Cleveland Browns beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday night, 29-17. They'll play Atlanta next week. You have the Philadelphia Eagles, 3-0 on the season, manhandling the Washington Commanders. Carson Wentz is welcome back as he was facing his former team. You have the Rams get a very close win against the Arizona Cardinals on the road. That is going to be very important because the Rams will play the 49ers on Monday night next week. And the San Francisco 49ers and the Denver Broncos, that was the Sunday night game. I tell you, the Broncos got a very gritty 11-10 win, and they did it because of their defense. Russell Wilson became Russell Wilson on one of the final drives for Denver to take the lead. But the story was the injury to Trent Williams, and Jimmy Garoppolo, when he doesn't have a left tackle, when he doesn't have his plethora of running backs, he's just an ordinary quarterback. Even though the 49ers took an early lead, they could not put the game away and they had two shots to march down the field and get in a field goal range for Robbie Gold to kick the game winning field goal two shots and the defense just pinned back Bradley Chubb sacked Jimmy G for a very big loss and then 
He threw an interception on that first drive, and then there was a fumble. The 49ers had three turnovers. There were miscues. He pulled a Dan Orlovsky, and his foot was in the back of the end zone for a safety. It was just an ugly game, and I actually thought that the 49ers were a Super Bowl favorites with Jimmy G. I don't. They have a lot of problems. They have to have everybody back healthy in order for them to succeed. Yeah, I know it was Denver. I know it was a Sunday night game. I know it was Russell Wilson, who now has a 17-4 record against the 49ers. A lot of familiarity, especially Nathaniel Hackett. Coaching with Green Bay knows the 49ers. Russell Wilson has owned the 49ers as a Seattle Seahawk. So it was a very ugly win. The Chicago Bears actually pull it off. Rokon Smith with the interception. They kick the game-winning field goal over Houston, and the Bears are 2-1. and one. And then you have the Monday night game tonight. The Dallas Cowboys taking on the New York Giants. Can the Giants go to 3-0? and oh? Right now, there are three undefeated teams left in the National Football League. And the 72 Dolphins, they do what they normally do when that final team loses their first game green bay does defeat tampa bay 14 to 12 it seemed like even though it was a very sloppy game and both defenses just came out tampa bay didn't even have mike evans but aaron Rodgers get a little bit of comfortable with his receivers romeo dobbs had some big catches using the ground game with aaron jones so i'm interested to see next week when aaron Rodgers has to take on bill belichick and the new england patriots Major League Baseball, the Braves win, the Mets lose. It's still a game and a half. Home run watch. Over the weekend, Albert Pujols hit his 700th home run, which that was pretty cool. He hit two home runs in one game against the Dodgers. You had Aaron Judge that's still on number 60. Look, I'm not a fan anytime Aaron Judge has an at-bat. When you're watching college football, I'm not a big fan of showing his at-bats. Just do it on the ticker. Do it on the ticker down at the bottom. Just say, update, Aaron Judge is up to bat. We'll play this on ESPN News. Go flip it to ESPN News and watch Aaron Judge's at bat. Don't do the in-game picture for Aaron Judge's at bats. The Yankees did beat the Red Sox 2-0, but Aaron Judge is still at 60 home runs. This is a big deal. Back when I was in college in 1998, they televised all the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa at bats. This is a big deal for Aaron Judge to break Roger Maris's home run single season record for the New York Yankees, even though the record is 73. All right, I think it's about that time. I know this is your favorite segment. It's mine too. I love it. I love after they play the games Friday night, I get to pick and choose who is going to be the top teams in East Alabama and West Georgia, and I get some criticism. Boy, you Callaway fans, (laughs) I tell you, you guys have been brutal to me. But don't worry, I got you covered. All right, it's time to reveal my top 10 for East Alabama and my top 10 for West Georgia, so let's go. Number one, the Auburn Tigers. Auburn is 6-0, a big win over Ramsey, 42-21. They're getting ready to take on the Opelika Bulldogs for what looks like the high school game of the week. And Auburn could just continue to roll through their schedule until they play Central. That's what's great about being 6-0. And they're doing it convincingly. Number two, the Lee Scott Academy Warriors. And even though they are AISA, they have been dominant. They took on a 4-0 team on the road 
and beat them 42-7. to They beat Macon East Montgomery Academy. And Lee Scott Academy is looking great. They will host Atuga Academy next week. And I expect that Lee Scott Academy is going to be here. They're going to stay right here in this rankings because number three is the Central Red Devils. I had the privilege to watch that game on ESPNU. I was actually in the parking lot of the Valley-Russell County game up at Ram Stadium. And I had my phone out and I was watching the IMG Central game on ESPNU. First of all, a lot of fans from Central. I think that was a great moment for the Central Red Devils to be on national TV, a 6 o'clock kickoff. Out the gate, they went out 12-0. Jalen Epps threw that pass to TJ Parker. But IMG Academy, they had nine players who are in the ESPN Top 300. Central only had three. And IMG Academy was able to win 41-26. to But that doesn't mean I'm going to drop Central in my rankings. Central deserved to have this game. Central is going to compete for a state title just about every year. Head coach Patrick Nix has got his players believing. And they're going to be just fine. I'm interested to see that game against Auburn. Whoever wins this region, they're going to be in the driver's seat for the state playoffs. And the good news is that the state playoffs this year are going to be in Auburn. So you don't have to travel that far. But Central is 4-2. and 3-1 in 7A Region 2. Getting ready to take on Dothan all the way down in Dothan, Alabama. Dothan is 5-1. and one. That's going to be a very good game, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I believe Central is going to come out on top, but Dothan has shocked a lot of people. Then they have a Thursday night game against Robert E. Lee, and then on October 14th, they take on Auburn. Get ready. That is going to be a massive game, and the Central Red Devils are going to be right there in the hunt for the state playoffs. Number four, the Opelika Bulldogs. I dropped them a little bit. They did lose to Theodore 34-24. to They are 4-2 with a 3-1 record in 7A Region 2. They take on Auburn next week. But after that, Smith Station, Enterprise, and Dothan. Those aren't easy games. It's going to be a challenge for the Opelika Bulldogs. Right, number five, and I put them up in my rankings, the Hanley Tigers, 6-0, and got a convincing win over Lynette, 37-0. Hanley is looking really good. Number six, Lochapoca. The Poca way is working. Lochapoca was on a bye this week, but they will travel on the road to take on Calhoun. Okay, number seven, you got the Ufala Tigers, 4-1, and getting a big win over Pell City, 54-35. Ufala looking pretty good. And they got a lot of recruits as well. Number eight, the Beauregard Hornets, who are on a bye this week. But they will take on Silicaga next week. Number nine, Real Town. Real Town was also on a bye. And number 10, I got Chambers Academy. Chambers Academy, three and two. They defeated Bessemer Academy 42 to six. Now, I could have put Valley number 10. Well, Valley's going to be number 11. After beating Russell County 28-23, Valley looked great. I was there. I called the game. Cam Dooley looked spectacular. He moved outside the pocket. It was really a showing between two good quarterbacks, Robert Calhoun for Russell County and Cam Dooley for Valley. That was just an awesome show. 
And Valley will take on Central of Clay County out of Lineville next week. Who knows? I might just sneak Valley up into my rankings. Now let's talk about the rankings for West Georgia. And there is no surprise the number one team in West Georgia is the Troop County Tigers. They go on the road. They play a top five team, Stars Mill. And they beat them 44-17. Teo Todd with two rushing touchdowns, rushed for 196 yards. He passed for 138 yards and threw three touchdowns. Teo Todd is just this electric player that is willing his team to victory. And I'm looking at Troop County's schedule, and it, and it looks pretty easy. They actually will take on North Clayton next week at Callaway Stadium, Friday night for homecoming. So uh, that's a pretty good homecoming for them. Number two, I put them up, the Carver Tigers. They are now number two after their Thursday night win over Hapeville Charter, 28-6. They are 3-1 and one on the year. And they will take on their first region opponent next week at A.J. McClung Memorial Stadium against the Columbus Blue Devils. Number three, I put them number three because they are ranked number one in the GIAA, the St. Ampicelli Vikings. Five and one, a convincing 42-7 win over Gatewood. Five and one, they are looking awesome. They got a bye next week, but then... It's showtime in two weeks. A potential high school game of the week candidate against the Brookstone Cougars. The battle for the Brucelli Jug. I got to say, I love high school football because of this. Number four, the LaGrange Grangers. They fall to three and two. They lose to Whitewater 29 to 21. They are still a great team, just playing some tough competition. And uh, they will host Riverdale Thursday night at Callaway Stadium. Number five, the Northside Patriots. You're probably wondering, why did I not put Northside higher? Well, they lost to LaGrange. So LaGrange is number four. Northside is number five. And what can you say about Northside? Northside beats West over 35 to nothing. Malachi Hosley, 24 carries, 204 yards, two touchdowns. I'm going to be interested to see like what type of awards he is going to get this year as uh, on... December the 8th. I know it's a ways away, the Sports Visions Awards. Uh, definitely want to try to get an invitation to that. The guest speaker is Georgia head football coach Kirby Smart. Number six, I got the Callaway Cavaliers. They are moving up in my rankings. They are 2-3 and three on the season, 1-0 in region play after beating Redan 44-12. And they got a pretty easy schedule, and I think that Callaway is just going to continue rising in my rankings. Number seven, the Brookstone Cougars. They lose their first game of the season to Stratford Academy, 37-34. They will take on Whitfield Academy next week. And then in two weeks, it's the battle for the Brucelli Jug. Number nine, Schley County. A 28-7 road victory over Macon County. They are 3-2 on the season, 2-0 in region play. And Schley County will host Chatco next week. And number 10, the Manchester Blue Devils, 3-2 on the season, 2-0 in region play after getting a hard-fought defensive battle over Chatco, 14-7. And the Manchester Blue Devils will host Macon County this Friday. So that's it. That is my top 10 for West Georgia and East Alabama. I know that you're a big fan of it. I'm a fan of it. I love it. I love doing the top 10 for high school football. Don't forget that my high school football preview review show will air this Friday night. 
and I am excited about what Week 7 has to offer. We, we got a lot of games. Corey and I are going to be at Russell County calling the Sydney Lanier game. You got Central traveling on the road against Dothan. You got a potential high school game of the week between Opelika and Auburn. I will reveal that on tomorrow's show. And then I will have a sneak preview of what could be the high school game of the week for week eight. And there's a lot of really good candidates to include St. Ampicelli and Brookstone. All right, without further ado, I think it's time to bring my co-host Corey Bank here on the show as we're going to recap some of the events that happened over the weekend. So stick around. You don't want to miss it. I will be back with my co-host, Corey Bank. Welcome back to the show. I got my co-host, Corey Bank, as we are going to do the Monday recap show. We had a lot of action in college football and the NFL. Corey, how you been? Did you have a good weekend? Yes, Richard. I had an excellent weekend. It was a great game of college football and NFL football. Now, you and I, we called the Russell County Valley game Friday night. We had a lot of great high school football action. We'll talk about that later this Friday. But let's talk about that Tennessee-Florida game. Because I seriously thought when Tennessee went up 38-21, to I seriously thought the game was over. And uh, I turned it off. I, I know. And then all of a sudden, like my wife is like watching the game. And I'm looking at the score. Florida's got the ball. They're down 38-33. to I mean, it was it was crazy when Florida recovered that onside kick. But when you look at that game, like what were some of the takeaways from that game? The Florida Gators in this game were led by quarterback Anthony Richardson, who went twenty four forty four for four hundred fifty three yards, a two touchdowns to one interception ratio on the day, an absolute display of aerial excellence, and on the ground totaling over five hundred yards of all purpose yards. He spread the wealth through his dynamic pass catchers, Justin Shorter and Ricky Purcell, each over 100 yards receiving on the day. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, they were led by safety Rashad Torrance II, who finished the contest with 11 tackles on the day. Now for your victorious Tennessee Volunteers. They were led by quarterback Hendon Hooker, who had a dynamic performance with precision as a passer, and he was absolutely carving up the secondary with his legs. For passing, he went 22 of 28 for 349 yards, two touchdowns, and rushed for 112 yards and a rushing score. The leading passer, catcher, was wideout Brew McCoy, who had five receiving, five receptions for 102 yards and touchdown. But then on the defensive side of the ball, they were led by cornerback Kamal Hayden, an absolute ball hawk who had five tackles and one interception in the game. Tennessee jumps to number eight in the new AP poll rankings. Corey, is Tennessee back? I definitely think so, Richard. I definitely think so, too, but I feel like a signature win would be if they could finally beat Alabama. They have not beaten Alabama since 2006 or if they could beat Georgia, one of those games, if they can get either Alabama or Georgia, Tennessee is going to be back to where the Philip Fulmer days in the early 2000s. And those are winnable games. I mean, Corey, I saw Georgia for an entire game look completely awful, but yet they won the game over Kent State because they just had better players. All right, well, let's move on 
to one of the craziest finishes I've ever seen in a college football game, Corey. Did you see that missed field goal by Arkansas? It, it bounced off the top of the goalpost. I've never seen anything like that in my life. How, how did that not count as a field goal? It actually hit the top. It could have went over, but it didn't. And Texas A&M wins the game. So pretty much in that game, very exciting game. But Texas A&M, they were led by quarterback Max Johnson who struggled with consistency in the game, but he went 11 of 21 for 151 yards and one touchdown. But his leading rusher, man, was he explosive running the football, Devin Acne. He averaged eight yards a carry in the contest, 159 yards and one touchdown in the game. Dynamic player indeed, Richard. Now the leading pass catcher in the game was tight end, Donovan Green, who had 50 yards in the contest, but wide receiver Evan Stewart had the lean, had the lone touchdown reception for the Aggies. Now, on the other side, for the victorious Arkansas Razorbacks, they were led by quarterback KJ Jefferson, who went 12 19 for 171 yards for two touchdowns, and he also was leading rusher for the Razorbacks rushing for over 100 yards on the ground, making him the player of the game, in my mind, in this contest. Now, the leading receiver for the Razorbacks in the game was Warren Thompson, who had two receptions for 57 yards on a touchdown. And the leading tackler in the game, Richard, was linebacker Bumper Poole. This was a get-right game for Texas A&M. You know, after they lost to Appalachian State, their season could have been derailed. But after beating Miami last week, and then getting a win over Arkansas. It looks like Texas A&M is in the driver's seat and still undefeated in SEC play. And I know they're penciling that game against Alabama coming up in a few weeks. Corey, I actually sat in front of the TV and watched college football all day Saturday. It was such a great atmosphere of just watching nothing but college football a lot of shocking upsets, including your Miami Hurricanes. I won't bring that up. I mean, that that was the one game where I was, like, scratching my head. Like, I, I couldn't comprehend Middle Tennessee State beating Miami. But we did have Oklahoma lose to Kansas State. But then we have these four teams. Uh, we'll, we'll say five teams that are 4-0. Corey, between Kansas, Syracuse, Washington, Minnesota, and Florida State, which 4-0 team is the most surprising to you? Syracuse. Exactly. I, I think, uh, didn't they uh, want to let Dino Babers go like a couple of years ago? I mean, uh, Syracuse playing at a high level. I mean, they could start competing in the ACC. You know, Corey, I'm reminded of the days in the late 90s with Donovan McNabb. I think that Syracuse could be back to that level. Absolutely, Richard. Typically, Syracuse uh, – franchise and school and their athletics are they're known for their basketball but it sure looks like their football is back exactly and dino babers is the coach that is leading the syracuse orange men in the acc play i really got to say getting that win over virginia 22 to 20 on friday night they pushed their record to four and oh and you know looking at their schedule they play wagner i mean that's going to be a win They'll be 5-0, and and then in two weeks, on October the 15th, actually in three weeks, on October the 15th, 
they will host NC State, and then they'll take on Clemson and then Notre Dame. So their schedule, their schedule gets a lot tougher, but you know that that's a hostile environment in the Carrier Dome. If they can get a crowd, and you, Corey, you're from New York. There, there are some passionate college football fans in you know, the sta- New York State, especially for Syracuse football. What do you think that atmosphere is going to be like at the Carrier Dome if Syracuse has a big game? Well, I will tell you that they have a loyal fan base. And whether their team uh, plays well, whether their team doesn't play well, you know people are going to be really going to the Carrier Dome supporting their Syracuse football team. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk about the National Football League because, I, I mean, we could get into Jacksonville beating the Chargers. That was the most shocking upset in the National Football League. But really, let's talk about this upset win for the Indianapolis Colts beating Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I felt that the Colts were left for dead after losing to Jacksonville 24 to nothing. But now I'm thinking Jacksonville might be a pretty good team. So Matt Ryan, down 17 to 13, leads the comeback. Matty Ice still has something left in the tank. And even though Patrick Mahomes had around 30 seconds left to go, Indy was able to hold the Chiefs off. And even though the the Chiefs look like world beaters their first two games, the Indianapolis Colts, the Indianapolis Colts were playing at home, and they have Matt Ryan. Corey, you think the Colts are now a team that can compete in the AFC South and uh, buy for and bid for a playoff berth? They definitely can be, but in this game, we're going to start off with the Kansas City Chiefs and how this is broken down. So the Kansas City Chiefs were led by quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who went 20-35 for 262 yards and a touchdown uh, and an interception. But they had a very poor performance on the ground attack. Only 26 yards rushing, also from Patrick Mahomes. Now, that was the decision in the game. That Colts... Defensive front were stuffing the run all day. Now, pass catcher that was the top pass catcher for the Chiefs was wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, who had five catches, 89 yards, and their only passing touchdown was to their dynamic tight end, Travis Kelsey, who had four catches for 58 yards in the game. But the leading tackler for the Chiefs, was linebacker Darius Harris, who had seven tackles in the game. But the victorious and the Colts were led by Natty Ice himself, Matt Ryan, who went 27-37 for 222 yards and two touchdowns, a productive day for Natty Ice. But in the ground game, they were led by their workhorse, every down skill set back, Jonathan Taylor, who had 71 yards on the ground for the day. But in the receiving room, they were led by wideout Michael Pittman Jr., who had eight catches for 72 yards. But their tight end, Jelani Woods, made his both catches count because they were both touchdowns on the day. Now on the defensive side of the ball, this is the X factor. This is the guy who took over the game, my mind, Richard, linebacker from LaSalle College High School, own. Zari 
Franklin, who had eight tackles in the game, and he av- he's been averaging 10 tackles per contest this season for the Colts. Absolutely, and the Indian di- and the Indianapolis Colts will host the Tennessee Titans next week at Lucas Oil Stadium as uh, they're going to try to compete in the division. Right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars is leading the AFC South with a 2-1 and one record. All right, Corey, let's talk about the local team here in Georgia because this Atlanta Falcons team has been in every game so far this season. They wanted to try to get their first win, went up to a hostile environment with the 12th man in Quest Field. I know they don't have Russell Wilson anymore, but they do have Geno Smith, who is capable of managing a game. This was a back-and-forth game. I actually thought with when Marcus Mariota had the fumble on the read option that was just a costly play, and Seattle got the ball back, that Seattle was going to rally around that crowd down 27 to 23, and Geno Smith was going to come back and lead the Seahawks to the victory. But the Falcons' defense stepped up. Grady Jarrett, one of the best defensive tackles in the entire league. The Falcons have a lot of bright spots on defense. I mean, sometimes they have a bend-don't-break defense, but the defense stepped up, and the defense won a game when a lot of people thought it was going to be the same old Falcons that would give up that lead. But, Corey, what was your thoughts about the Falcons getting their first victory over Seattle on Sunday? Well, first things first, we're going to go back to how the Seattle Seahawks played in this game. And they were led by, like you said, quarterback Geno Smith, who went 32-44 for 325 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. In my mind, he stepped up in the game for this offense. His pass catchers that were his targets of choice, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Now, Geno Smith uh, threw his touchdown ball to DK Metcalf and tight end Will Disley. But the Seattle Seahawks ground game was led by running back Rashad Penny, who averaged around five yards per carry on 66 yards rushing in the day. Defensively, Seattle was led by linebacker Jordan Brooks, leads the Seattle's defense physical player, bringing the blitz packages and coverages, had six tackles in the game. But, Richard, those victorious Atlanta Falcons, getting the first win on the season, Marcus Mariota had a consistent game. He You're com- right. Oh, he completed 65% of his passes. So he went 13 to 20 for 229 yards. And he had a quarterback ratio, one one touchdown, one interception. But here's the here's the part of the game that really blew it open. Their rushing attack. Their rushing attack was led by Cordell Patterson who had a breakout afternoon, and I give him the game, player of the game honors. He averaged 8.3 yards per carry on 141 yards and a touchdown. And in the past game, they finally got it going with Kyle Pitts. Finally got him in the offense, leading receiver in the game, and Drake London were both Marcus Murray's fair, fair targets, combining for 141 yards and a touchdown in the game between the two. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, they were led by linebacker Rasheen Evans, who imposed his will on the defense, going from tackle box into the coverage, 
And on top of that, he had nine tackles. But the other linebacker in the middle of this nucleus who was stout was Mikel Walker, who had eight tackles. And I believe this Falcons team has finally woken up. I feel that this Atlanta Falcons team can play with anybody. They will host the Cleveland Browns next week at the Bins, a very talented team. you got to watch out for Nick Chubb as a running back, Miles Garrett. I mean, they have superstars everywhere. And they have a couple days rest to prepare for that game. But the Falcons can even their record, and it's a wide-open division. Tampa, Tampa Bay lost. The New Orleans Saints lose to the Carolina Panthers. you got the Saints, Panthers, and Falcons at 1-2. and two. And looking at the rest of the season, knowing that they could play anybody, can the Atlanta Falcons actually make the playoffs this year? I mean, I think they'd have to win the division, but I actually think that maybe Tampa Bay is is just starting to – maybe Tampa Bay is brittle. And if Tom Brady doesn't have all his weapons, Tampa Bay is vulnerable. I I think that this division is winnable for the Falcons. Don't get too ahead of yourself, uh, Richard, on this one. Uh, the Bucks dropped the game, but it's traditional that they usually lose to teams that they otherwise play later in the year, and they win. It's kind of uh, a streak there. I wouldn't say that I think it's the Bucks division. You're absolutely right. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers should win this division. But if the Falcons do rattle off some wins, remember, we have an extra playoff team. The Falcons were on the doorstep of the playoffs last year. I mean, they won seven games. I was actually looking at the schedule. They, they did get blown out by the Cowboys. They got blown out by the Patriots. But they did win some games that I didn't think that they were expected to win. And uh, now the Atlanta Falcons move on to Cleveland. Corey, I'm telling you, I know that I'll have you on the show tomorrow for the Daily Dash. We are going to preview that Giants-Cowboys game. Right now, there are still three undefeated teams left. The Miami Dolphins, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the New York Giants. Do you do you think that any one of those teams will lose a game within the next two weeks? Do you see a Philly or Miami going to four and zero next week? I see Philly losing. I see the Giants actually losing. Uh, coming up tonight. And I see the Dolphins being the only undefeated team left. All right. Corey, as always, thank you so much for your insight on the Monday recap show. And I know that we just had a lot of college football, NFL football to see. But one more thing before I let you go, because I'm not really a big fan of this. You know that there's a home run chase right now. You're a Mets fan, so you probably have heard you know, a lot of buzz about the New York Yankees and Aaron Judge. He's at 60 home runs right now. So they were having the in-game picture every time he had in a bat. For a college football game on ESPN and ABC, they were putting that on the screen. Do you agree with that? When it's a home run record, do you want your Saturday afternoon of college football ruined by a, by baseball? Like, we don't even really pay attention to baseball during college football season. But I mean, I actually am a firm believer that that needed to be on the ticker at the bottom saying, go to ESPN news now to see Aaron, Aaron judges at bats. Well, Richard, the only reason why they did that is because it's history. They wanted to see history happen. They wanted to have the people capture 
history happened. I know it was not in its place where it was supposed to be on a college football broadcast on the opposite side of the screen. But the bottom line is they assume that the college football fan likes history and records being broken. I do agree a little bit, but I actually did get to see Albert Pujols hit his 700th home run, and that really was cool. Uh, congratulations to him. Uh, that was just amazing. I remember back when McGuire and Sosa had that home run chase and, and all those games were televised. And uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing the New York Yankees and Aaron Judge try to tie and eventually break Roger Maris's home run record because this is a very hallowed record for the New York Yankees. I know that the record for the single-season home run leaders is 73, done by Barry Bonds in 2001. But this is the Yankees we're talking about. This is a very hallowed record. It really is. They hold it deep to their franchise's hearts. They're one of the first baseball teams to really put together a dynamic franchise. When people think of Major League Baseball, they think of the New York Yankees. Absolutely. Corey, as always, I'll talk to you tomorrow for the Daily Dash and uh, looking forward to a great week of sports and uh, also keeping an eye on a hurricane that is coming towards Florida. And uh, hopefully that does not affect our high school football game that we're calling this Friday between Russell County and Sydney Lanier. All right, that was my co-host, Corey Bank, here for the Monday morning recap. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And also a reminder that you can download us now on iHeartRadio. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdridge. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.